With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on February 28th. It is a Tuesday and this month is over. And tomorrow we move on to March and then we march towards the rest of the season. See what I did there? That was clever. 
today we are going to do winners and losers from the Premier League games the weekend. We've got some FA Cup previews. We've got some news. We've got some reaction to last night's FIFA awards. And uh, we might take a quick spin around Europe and the lower leagues and see what went on at the weekend. We will start with winners and losers. And the first winner we're going to give credit to is Manchester United. They obviously didn't play in the Premier League at the weekend, but they did win a cup. And therefore, they get credit for winning a cup. And they are our first winner of the week. Second winner of the week, we're going with Fulham because that one point they picked up at home to Wolves most likely secures survival for another season in the Premier League, something I didn't think would happen when they were promoted and their summer went, I would say, less than ideally. They didn't seem to learn the lessons they needed to learn, but in the end, they pieced together a decent transfer window. I think Marco Silva has done a phenomenal job Right now, for me, he's the manager of the year. I know Arteta probably will win it if Arsenal win the league, or even if they finish second, he might win it. But Marco Silva, for me, has way outstripped all expectations. Third winner is going to be a joint award between West Ham and Leeds, both of whom finally managed to not fall over their own feet and win a Premier League game of football and move themselves out of the bottom three. Uh, In terms of losers, unfortunately for Newcastle, you lost a cup final. You have to go into this. I think it's probably the first of many cup finals that those fans will experience over the next five to ten years. Uh, Our next loser is going to be everybody who watched Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. A horrendous game of football. A... There's just nothing more to really say about this. And then our third loser will be a joint award again between Everton and Bournemouth, who dropped into the bottom three this past weekend following defeats and those victories by West Ham and Leeds. I think there's others you could certainly point to. I think Chelsea, back-to-back defeats, no win in five now in the Premier League. That's got to be concerning. Graham Potter's job now starting to come under more pressure. Chelsea have now lost more games in the Premier League than they have won this season. 24 games, 8 wins, 7 draws, 9 defeats. They are ahead of Aston Villa only on goal difference. And considering Villa had lost 3 in a row going into the weekend, doesn't say much about how Chelsea have been performing. Uh, Nottingham Forest getting spanked at the London Stadium. Uh, The way they collapsed after that first goal went in and immediately conceded a second and then their head seemed to go, that's really concerning. They've done really well to claw themselves off the bottom of the table and into mid-table, but when they're only four points ahead of the relegation zone, I do think it is still cause for concern. I think you can look at anybody from Crystal Palace down as realistic contenders to go down. Palace, uh, Forest, Leicester, Wolves, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Bournemouth and Southampton. I do think any three of them could go down. 
it's really only from Villa up that teams are safe. And when you look at, you know, Villa and Chelsea sitting there on 31 points, 10 points clear of the relegation zone. I mean, for Villa, that's that's happy days considering how bad they were under Gerrard. But for Chelsea, they're now looking up the table 14 points behind Spurs, admittedly with a game in hand. But even winning that game in hand, they'd be 11 points behind them, which if someone had told told Todd Bowley that they'd be that far behind at this point in the season, he probably wouldn't have gone out and spunked as much money. Um, really concerning sounds coming out of Chelsea with regards to a disconnect between senior players and the manager. And I would then question, well, which senior players? You know, if we take a look at the Chelsea squad, there's not a a lot of what you would term senior players who've made any kind of an impact. Uh, A lot of people like to shill for Thiago Silva without recognising that Thomas Tuchel has been sacked twice and Graham Potter might get sacked because they have largely compromised what they want to do to fit him into their team because of his lack of pace and his lack of mobility, you can't play an expansive brand of football. But you look at the Chelsea team, Kepa, I mean, he's a senior player in name only and age only, but he's one of the few that's benefited from Potter. Badi Ashile is a kid. Jorginho's gone. Kante has barely played. Kovacic has been injured a bunch. Aubameyang, He's contributed nothing. If he's at odds with the manager, you move him out. Pulisic isn't a senior player. Joe Felix isn't a senior player. None of Loftus-Cheek or Chalaba or Broya are. Mendy is, but he was really poor and was rightly dropped, and now he's injured. Raheem Sterling hasn't done anything since joining to put him in a position to start making demands. Mason Mount is not a senior player. Zakari is on loan. Chilwell's not a senior player. Zayic is a senior player. He's been a flop since joining. Gallagher and James. James, you could argue because of his status in the squad, but not in terms of age or experience. Uh, Koulibaly, senior player, but again, he's been very, very disappointing. Aspilicueta is the club captain. May well be that he's on the outs with the current manager, but again... That's a situation in which you back the manager because Aspilicueta's day has gone and you should be looking at the era beyond him. Uh, Kai Havertz has been poor, but he's not a senior player. Neither is Karni Chukwemeka. Mark Cucurella, I think, might have some interesting things to say about Potter, but hasn't done anything to warrant being listened to. And then Fafana and Lewis Hall are both young players who you know, aren't really in a position to start saying much of anything. The thing is with that squad, and then you'd, you'd obviously, there's the January signings as well. Um, but the thing is with that squad, there's there's a load of talent there, like loads and loads of talent. And you can picture in your head what a long-term Chelsea team could look like. So, as an example, if Gabriel Slanina is the goalkeeper he's been made out to be, he's your keeper. Bafana and Badi Ashile as your centre-backs. Reese James and either Cucurella or Chilwell as your left-back. 
if that's something you can develop long term, that's really promising. And maybe, maybe someone like uh, Lewis Hall can make that left back spot his own. Now he'd be going up against two international players who both cost in excess of fifty million, but maybe that's his role. If not, you know he he'll have a role in midfield. But if you consider that starting back four, let's say with with Cucurella because they spent sixty million on him, Chilwell as the backup, Malo Gusto as the backup on the other side, and then Chalaba and Levi Colwell when he comes back as the two backup centre-backs. That's a really strong eight-man unit. You'd want to add one more centre-back to that, and maybe that's just what Koulibaly's going to be for them, is a, an old head, an experienced sage who plays in, you know, 20 games a season. I don't think he's ready to go to that stage of his career, but I'd rather have him in that role than Silva because I don't have to change how I play to bring Koulibaly in. I have to change everything to bring Silva in. Maybe you just go and find that player. Behind Slanina, maybe Kepa. I mean, he's shown huge improvement this season. So maybe just stick with him. Uh, In midfield, Enzo is who you build around. The problem is they don't have a partner for Enzo. You need a dynamic ball winner in there next to him because he's not a defensive midfielder. And the problem he's had at Chelsea thus far is that they think he's a defensive midfielder or they're using him as a defensive midfielder, which isn't his role. If you were to go back to the Benfica well and bring in Florentino Luis, that would be a really good fit. You know, failing that Manuel Ugarte from Sporting. Um, I, I see the argument for Caicedo. And it would certainly work. I just don't know that it's perfect. It's probably the two best players, but in terms of the back to get the best of Enzo, I think maybe more a Luis or an Ugarte type. That would be where I'd look. Even Manu can't uh, Manu Kone from Borussia Mönchengladbach would be a really nice fit there. You'll want to add some depth. You've got Kovacic, and when he plays, he's great, but he doesn't play enough. Lewis Hall, I think, will develop into a central midfielder. You probably want to add one more. So that'd be two in central midfield to fully flush that group out. Uh, Who else do they have that could be used in that kind of role? Um, Another option at left back could be Ian Matson. Didn't think of him. Then in terms of say, number 10s, you've got Mason Mount. Now, he, Conor Gallagher, put him in that centre midfield group as the fifth one. So you've got Enzo plus one as starters, Kovacic as your third, and then Gallagher and Hall. And that's a strong five-man group. In the three behind the striker, because I do think Potter wants to play 4-2-3-1, you've got Raheem, you've got Mudrik, you've got Nkunku to arrive, You've got Mount, you've got Chuck Wemeka. You've got uh, Harvey Harvey Vale, who's a massive talent. And you've got Tino Andrew, and if you wanted to give him an opportunity, but they probably won't. 
I did miss uh, Cesare Caicedo in midfield and and Andre Santos. So there's two more. Like that's loads of midfield options. You've also got Noni Mureki in the uh, line of three behind the striker. So again, loads of options. And then as, as nines, you've got Kai, you've got Brohia, you've got David Datro Fafana. Like I genuinely think if you could clear out some of those older players like Silva, maybe Koulibaly, Mendy, Aspilicueta, and if you were prepared to give a manager time, a fifth centre-back, one starting midfielder, that's all you really need. Go and get a dynamic ball winner in midfield. Ugarte will cost around 40 million, Kone around the same. Florentino Louise might be a bit higher, might be like 55 to 60. But other than that, time and patience is what's needed. Like, I don't think Chelsea, despite the fact that they look a disaster right now, I don't think they're actually all that far away because there's loads and loads of talent at that club. There's other players I didn't even mention, mention Lukaku. Could you bring him back and give him give him a try? Malang Sarr is another depth option at centre-back. Ethan Ampadu can play as a holding midfielder or as a centre-back. Could be, could be quite valuable. Like, there's loads and loads and loads of talent at Chelsea. I don't think they're all that far away. I think if you could go and buy that one in midfield... And maybe you just keep Koulibaly, but you could probably get a decent fee for selling him. Who's at a contract this summer as a centre-back who's not named Evan Indicator and not named Milan Skriniar? Um, like Ugarte and uh, Florentino, they just make the most sense as... They make the most sense as partners, friend, friends of. So you just do that. Maybe you don't want to give Benfica any more of your money. So that's where Ugart makes the most sense. Stefan De Vries, out of contract at Inter. He would be perfect. Now, he is, would he be perfect though? He is slow. Like you don't want Yeri Mina. You don't want Kagler Sionchu. I think Inigo Martinez is going to go to Barcelona. Uh, Mats Hummels would be a hard pass. Sergio Ramos, an even harder pass. If you could convince Nacho Fernandez to leave Real Madrid, he would actually be perfect because he can play all across the back line. He's a proven winner. A proven winner who's been around all the big names, all the big egos. He knows what it takes in a dressing room to get people on board. The question is, is Mason, is is Graham Potter enough of a, of a personality to get everybody on the same page? Because there's, there's no doubting the talent. We can laugh at Bowley and I have laughed at Bowley. And I do think they've spent money badly. But at the same time, 
there is there was the bones of a really good squad there before he came in and chucked all the money in the world at it. Now there's the bones of an even better squad. And it is the type of squad that with time and patience, you could see a really, really promising team develop out of. Get Nacho on a free. Sign Florentino Luis and start to sell some players. Like, sell Mendy. Just get rid of him. Get whatever fee you can get. He's got two years left on his deal after this. You'll get a good fee for him. He'll be 31. He'll still have a good couple of years left. There will be clubs who want him. Spurs might want him. They need a new goalkeeper. I'd move Silva on, personally. I'd, I'd sell Koulibaly and try and recoup as much as I can. If I can get 20 million, 25 million, I'd do that. Let Aspilicueta go. I'd let Kante go. I'd sell Loftus-Cheek. I'd let Zakaria's Zicario's loan run out. Get rid of Aubameyang. I'd keep Pulisic. Because I think in that line of three, behind the striker, you want as many good options as possible. And I'd sell Zayic. So what would we get? 15 million for Zayic. He's the only forward I'd let go. Jeff Felix's loan will run out. You've got Nkunku coming in. You don't need to do anything else there. I'd make sure Mason Mount re-signed. Let Aubameyang go on a free. So you get 15 million for Zayic. You probably get 10 million for Loftus-Cheek. Let's say 20 for Koulibaly. And let's say 20 for Mendy. So what's that, 65 million? That'll get you your midfielder. And you can sign Nacho on a free. And you'll end the summer with a profit. You've also got a whole shed load of players who are out on loan that you just shouldn't have on your books anymore, like Bakayoko. If you're not going to bring back Lukaku, sell him, get whatever you can. If you're not going to use Tino Andrin, sell him. Get whatever you can. Sell off all the players who are on your wage bill who aren't contributing. Like Chelsea right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 16, 17, 18. I'm looking at about 19 players there who are out on loan. Now, some of them are young players, so you keep them. You keep them out on loan. But others, you just don't need to have. You don't need to have Malang Sar on your books. Hudson Odoi I'd probably bring back and and, and use in some way. I still think there's a talent there. Try and rebuild his value a little bit. But the notion that Chelsea need to go and spend another 200 million. It just, it's baffling to me. And the worst shed I've seen yet is that what they should do is sack Potter, give the job to John Terry until the end of the season, and then hire Mourinho in the summer with Terry as his assistant with the view that Terry takes over in two or three years. Like, these people don't live in the real world if they think that's a real thing. 
Anyway, we'll move on. I've gotten sidetracked. Badly sidetracked. FA Cup tonight. We have four games. Four tonight, four tomorrow night. Uh, we have a 7.15 kickoff, a 7.30 kickoff, a 7.45 kickoff, and an 8 p.m. kickoff. At 7.15, it is Stoke City versus Brighton. So Stoke at the moment sit 19th in the championship. Fair to say things are not going well. But in the FA Cup, they are still motoring along. They knocked out League 2 Hartlepool with a 3-0 win. And then they beat Stevenage, who are also in League 2, in the fourth round. That was a 3-1 win. Uh, Brighton will represent, obviously, a much sterner test for them. Brighton currently sit eighth in the Premier League, but they didn't play at the weekend. So they've got, got a game in hand there. They're... They've got three games in hand on Fulham and are only four points behind them. So, you know, they could easily get top six. Uh, In the FA Cup, they went and hammered Middlesbrough in the third round, a 5-1 win away from home. And then they beat Liverpool 2-1 at home in the second leg. They're just bullying Guy at this point. Um, I'm sure if we dug deep, we'd... Oh, well, Guy, of course, the man that brought us Tony Pulis' watch, on uh, Anfield Index AI Scouted. Uh, so Guy has links to Middlesbrough, where he's from, Liverpool, the team he supports, and Stoke because of the adulation for Mr. Pulis. Um, you would have to fancy a Brighton win in that one. Our 7.30 kickoff then is Leicester at home to Blackburn. Leicester are fairly crap in the league. They're sitting 14th. Their performance against Arsenal at the weekend was an embarrassment. They beat Gillingham 1-0. At the time, Gillingham were bottom of League 2. They were the worst team in the Football League. Uh, Then they beat Walsall 1-0 in the fourth round. Uh, That's also a League 2 team. So amazingly for Leicester, Blackburn are going to represent a significant step up in competition. Blackburn are fourth in the Championship. They have um, stabilised after a rocky spell. Having not drawn a single game through the first 27 weeks, they managed to draw four in a row, but they've now won three in a row, beating Swansea, Blackpool, and QPR. In the FA Cup, they knocked out Norwich, championship opposition, uh, in the third round. Then they were drawn against Birmingham, more championship opposition. Uh, A 2-2 draw at Ewood Park in the first leg, Blackburn winning 1-0, at St. Andrews after extra time in the second leg. That one should be a fairly decent game. Leicester will be favourites, but I wouldn't rule out the upset in that one. Uh, Fulham versus Leeds. I think this is probably the best game of the night. Probably. Uh, Fulham obviously sixth in the Premier League. They knocked out Hull in the third round, 2-0 away from home. They then drew it home with Sunderland in the fourth round before winning 3-2 away in the replay. A a late goal from Kurzawa kind of put the icing on it. Bennett did get one back late to make it look a bit tighter than it was, but I think, to be fair, Fulham were deserving winners on the day. Uh, Leeds are 17th in the Premier League, which is less than ideal, but they did get a win at the weekend, which is their first win in a league game since November 5th when they beat Bournemouth. 
In the FA Cup, they drew 2-2 away to Cardiff before winning 5-2 in the replay. Nanto with two and Bamford with two in that one. And then they beat Accrington Stanley of League One 3-1 away from home in the fourth round. So that one should be, I think, a decent enough game. And then last but not least, the eight o'clock kickoff is Bristol City against Manchester City. Bristol are 16th in the championship. Uh, They knocked out Swansea in the third round, a 1-1 draw at home, but then they won 2-1 away from home in the replay. And then they beat West Brom 3-0 in the fourth round, which is a really good result considering West Brom are going very well, well, were at the time going very well in the championship. Uh, Alex Scott with one of the goals. He's the one to watch. If you decide to watch Bristol versus City, just keep an eye on Alex Scott. He's a really promising player that I would guarantee will be in the Premier League next season. Uh, City are second in the Premier League, obviously, and seem to be kind of sort of rounding into a bit of form. Uh, They hammered Chelsea in the fourth round, 4-0 win there. And then they beat Arsenal in the third round. Sorry, hammered Chelsea in the third round and beat Arsenal in the fourth round with a Nathan Aki goal. You would fancy City. So uh, Brighton, Leicester, Fulham and City, I think, will be the strong favourites for tonight's games. Uh, while we're on the topic of the championship, we might as well take an adventure through the lower leagues and see what took place. There are some championship games tonight, if you're interested. Uh, Luton will take on Millwall and Preston will take on Coventry. At the weekend, Coventry beat Sunderland 2-1. That was a really good win for Coventry because Sunderland have been going quite well. Uh, Jamie Allen and Victor Gjorkarez gave them a 2-0 lead. Ahmed Diallo, who does look a really good player, scoring for Sunderland. Unfortunately for Ahmed Diallo, uh, United went, a year after buying him, went and signed uh, Anthony, who plays largely the same position, for three times the money, so he's unlikely to have much of a future there. But, you know, you never know. He's very, very talented. Sheffield United won Watford nil. Good win for Sheffield United. Norwich 2, Cardiff nil. QPR won Blackburn Rovers 3. Bristol City won Hull City nil. West Brom 2, Middlesbrough nil. Daryl Dyke with both goals in that game. Good to see him back and scoring had some really bad luck with injuries. Uh, Reading 3, Blackpool 1. Tom Ince with two goals there. And Andy Carroll with a penalty. Uh, Burnley 4, Huddersfield 0. The, the company machine just marches on. Zaruri, Roberts, Brownhill and Obafemi. Nice to see Obafemi scoring goals as well from an Irish point of view. Uh, Birmingham 1, Luton 0. Carlton Morris with the only goal there. Stoke City 0. Millwall won, Zian Fleming with the only goal in that one. Uh, Preston 2, Wigan 1. Robbie Brady sent off in the last minute for Preston. And then Swansea won, Rotherham won. Swansea will be disappointed to have dropped more points there. So the league table, Burnley are top, 74 points from 34 games. They are going to sail through the 100-point mark as things currently stand. They're on they're on course for just a stupidly good season. They've only lost twice. They've scored 68 goals, which is the most in the division. 
They've conceded 28 goals, which is the least in the division, and they just look a class above. They just look a class above. Sheffield Wednesday are second, 64 points from 33 games. Then Middlesbrough, 57 points from 34 games. They'll be disappointed with the results of the weekend, but I think massive credit has to go to Michael Carrick and the turnaround at that club. He has just done a phenomenal job. Uh, then it's Blackburn on 55 points from 34 games. Again, I think John Dole Thomason deserves great credit. Now, the fact that we're 34 games in, they've won 17, drawn four, lost 13, have a zero goal differential, uh, is a bit mad. They have the fifth or sixth best defensive record. But in terms of scoring goals, they've only scored 38, which in the top half, Preston and Coventry have scored less. But in the bottom half, Bristol and Swansea have scored more. So they're actually a bottom half attacking team, uh, which is strange considering some of the talent they've got there. I do think Ben Brereton Diaz's contract situation has factored in. I think he's been very up and down. I think they were hoping for more from him. In fifth place, we get Millwall, 53 points from 33 games, and Luton, 53 points from 33 games. So Borough, Rovers, Millwall, and Luton are the playoff teams. Then it's Norwich, uh, 52 points from 34 games. Watford, 50 from 34. Sunderland, 49 from 34. West Brom, 48 from 33. Coventry, 48 from 33. I think everyone down to Coventry is still in with a good, good chance of making the playoffs, which is really exciting. I think I think Borough look a good bet to make it, as do Black. Uh, sorry, as do Blackburn. But then I think Millwall, Luton, Norwich, Watford, Sunderland, West Brom, and Coventry are all in the mix for those last two spots. And look, it wouldn't take much for Blackburn or Borough to drop out of it either. You string a few bad results together, and all of a sudden you find yourself an eighth. This is just the way of the championship. Uh, below Coventry, then it is Preston on 45 points from 33 games. Then Bristol. Um, oh, their win at the weekend moved them from 16 to 13. That's why they're there. 44 points from 33, same as Reading. Then it's Swansea, 43 points from 34 games. Hull, 42 points from 34. Stoke, 40 from 34. QPR, 39 from 34. Birmingham, 38 from 34. Rotherham 37 from 34, Cardiff 35 from 34, Huddersfield 31 from 33, Blackpool 31 from 34, and Wigan 31 from 33. It kind of feels like it's three from four, Wigan, Blackpool, Huddersfield and Cardiff. It feels like three of them go down. But Rotherham could easily get dragged back in. They got a couple of good results now in the last two games, picking up four points, which has boosted them. But it does feel like it's very, very condensed there as well. Birmingham have been on an absolute slide of late, four defeats in a row. QPR, four defeats in a row. They've just sacked their manager. Um, it, it, the bottom is going to be interesting. There's 
12 to 13 games left. Kind of feel like you might need 45 points to stay up. About there. So I think QPR and, and Birmingham will get there. Rotherham I don't have much faith in. Cardiff I have no faith in. But Huddersfield have been dreadful. Blackpool have been dreadful and, and Wigan are a bit of a train wreck. So none of that is uh, none of that is promising. But it, it's a very fun league. It is a very, very entertaining league. We will move now to League One. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice has gone all funny. We'll move now to League One. And uh, again, we have some games in the in League One tonight. We have Portsmouth against Bur- against Bolton, Lincoln against MK Dons, Derby against Cheltenham, and Peterborough against Charlton. At the weekend, uh, Oxford United nil, Bristol Rovers three. Good result for Joey Barton's team. Shrewsbury two, Wickham nil, Portsmouth four, Cheltenham nil, Peterborough five. Plymouth Argyle 2. That's a really good result because uh, Plymouth were top or second. Second going into the weekend. They're still second. So, yeah. And Peterborough were stuck in mid-tables. That's a really good result for for Peterborough there. Uh, Bolton 2, Port Vale 1. Forest Green Rovers 1, Lincoln City 1. Charlton Athletic 0, Sheffield Wednesday 1. Exeter City 2, Cambridge nil, Barnsley four, Derby one, Burton Albion nil, Accrington Stanley nil. Did anyone see? This is mad. You know the ad, older people, if you don't know this ad, go on, go on YouTube and just put in, I assume Accrington Stanley, who are they? There's this old milk ad from like either the late 80s or early 90s. It's these two kids. One is pictured and one only comes in at the end. And basically, they come in after playing football. One of them asks about lemonade, and the other one goes and picks up a thing of milk. And he goes, the other one goes, uh, milk. And the kid goes, Ian Rush drinks it. And he told me that if I don't drink lots of milk, I'll only be good enough to play for Accrington Stanley. And the other kid says, Accrington Stanley, who are they? Well, that kid, the Accrington Stanley, who are they kid, I assume it's him and not the other one. One of them, one of the kids, was just convicted of murder during the week and sentenced to, I think, 18 years in prison. Absolutely mental. I I had forgotten about that ad. And then I saw it during the week, and it's all I could think of, is that ad and that kid. And the fact that he's now a 40-odd-year-old man who's going to do, you know, a significant period of time in prison for murder. Um. Anyway, yeah, got sidetracked again. Fleetwood Town 1, Morecambe 0. MK Dons 0, Ipswich Town 1. Another good win for Ipswich. Sheffield Wednesday are top. Three points clear of Plymouth, though Wednesday have a game in hand. Then it's Ipswich, who are five points behind Plymouth. Same number of games played. Uh, They're on 63 points. Then it's Bolton, Barnsley, Derby, Wickham, Shrewsbury, Peterborough. They all feel like they're in with a chance of promotion. Peterborough, to be fair, they're on 50 points. They're in ninth. And they are seven points behind Derby. 
but they do have a game in hand, and they have two games in hand on Shrewsbury. So it could get quite condensed in here as well. Uh, then it's Portsmouth on 45 points from 31 games. Then Fleetwood, Exeter, Bristol Rovers, Charlton, Lincoln, Port Vale, Oxford United, who are on a really bad run. They've lost four or five with no wins in that time. Uh, currently the team in the worst form in the division other than Forest Green. Uh, Burton Albion are 18th, Cheltenham 19th, Morecambe in 20th, Accrington Stanley in 21st, MK Dons 22nd, Cambridge United 23rd, and Forest Green Green, Green, 24th. Uh, Four teams get relegated from League One. So I would say anybody from Oxford down is at risk as things currently stand. Uh, And this gives me the opportunity to check in on Big Duncan Ferguson, who is the Forest Green manager. He has now been in charge for six games. Uh, No wins, two draws, and four defeats. Uh, Guy brought up the brilliant spell of Terry Connor as manager of Wolves earlier on, where he took over from Mick McCarthy, who'd been sacked, was in charge for 13 games to the end of the season, won none of them, drew four and lost nine. Uh, Big Dunk absolutely on track for the same 0% win percentage as Terry Connor. So uh, congrats to Big Dunk on that one. That looks like a, a belter of an appointment. Uh, We'll go to League Two. Tonight we have five games. Harrogate Town versus Northampton Town. Gillingham against Bradford. Tranmere against Crawley. Barrow against Salford City. And AFC Wimbledon against Stevenage. I can barely contain my excitement. Uh, Grimsby Town 2, Leighton Orient 2 on Saturday. Doncaster 0, Bradford City 1. Crawley Town 2, Carlisle 5. That's a long journey. That is a long, long journey. Uh, Stevenage 0, Tranmere 1. Crew Alexandra 1, Rochdale 1. Swindon Town 3. Shout out to Paul Sturridge. Paul, Paul Sturridge. Paul Sturridge is my friend's name. Not Paul Sturridge. Paul Sturridge. Uh, Swindon Town 3, Harrogate 0. Barrow 1, Stockport 0. Newport County nil, Sutton two, Colchester nil, Northampton one, Mansfield two, Salford City five. Uh, Gary Neville might let, let the manager have another week. Uh, Hartlepool three, Walsall three, and Gillingham two, AFC Wimbledon one. The league table: Leighton Orient are top, thirteen points clear of Carlisle. Though they have played a game more, but Leighton Orient look uh, very good for promotion here. Carlisle. Stevenage, Northampton, Stockport, Salford, Mansfield. Now remember, three go up automatically. So at the moment, it would be late. It would be late in Orient, Carlisle, Stevenage. But Northampton are only two points behind Stevenage. Stockport are a point further back, and then Salford and Mansfield are only two points back from from um, Northampton. Sorry, from Stockport. Uh, so they're only five points out of the automatic playoff spot and Mansfield do have a game in hand. So it, it again, shaping up to be very, very interesting. Uh, then Bradford are eighth, 
Sutton United 9th, Swindon 10th, Barrow 11th, Doncaster 12th, Tranmere 13th, Walsall 14th, five draws in a row. That's an impressive run in the cha- in any of the lower leagues to draw five games in a row. Uh, AFC Wimbledon in 15th. I would imagine hoping that MK Dons come down because it's just it's funny to see MK Dons not do well. Uh, Grimsby 16th. Crew Alexandra in 17th, Newport in 18th, Colchester 19th, Gillingham 20th. Gillingham won four of their last five. Four of their last five. And they're still in 20th, which will tell you how desperate they've been before that. Uh, Harrogate are 21st, Hartlepool 22nd, Crawley 23rd, and Rochdale 24th. If I'm not mistaken, two teams go down and we get two up from the National League. One automatically and one via playoffs. In the National League, we have seven games. No, we have nine games tonight. Torquay, Bromley, Wrexham, Chesterfield, Halifax, Wheelstone, West, East, Eastleigh against York, Yeovil against Altrincham, Maidenhead against Dagenham and Redbridge, Boreham Wood against Dorking, Barnet against Oldham, and Maidstone against Scunthorpe. Not bad. Not bad. These are all making up for games that had to be cancelled for one reason or another. Um, like some are from match day 24, some are 28, there's one from 29, and two from match day 32. Uh, looking at the league table, Notts County are top, two points clear of Wrexham, but Wrexham have two games in hand, which I think are going to prove to be crucial. Um then it's a 19-point gap to Woking. And this is why, where my major issue is with this division, that we're not getting three up. Wrexham are going to finish. But at the moment, Wrexham are 28 points. Sorry, 26 points ahead of Chesterfield. And in the playoffs, it would be Wrexham, Woking, Barnet, and Chesterfield. They're 26 points clear of them. And yet, if Chesterfield knocked them out, they'll go up. Even And the season will therefore be worthless for Wrexham. It's the same if Wrexham go up automatically and Notts County fall into the playoffs. There should be two automatic promotion spots. Both Wrexham and Notts County deserve promotion. And it would be good to get a third team up. It would create more of an opportunity. Uh, Woking third, Barnet fourth, Chesterfield fifth, Southend sixth, Eastley seventh, Boreham Wood eighth, Bromley 9th, Dagenham and Redbridge 10th, Wheelstone 11th, Altrincham uh, 12th, Sullyhull Moors, which always sounds like a car dealership to me, um, 13th, Maidenhead 14th, Oldham 15th, Aldershot, Halifax, York City, Gateshead, Dorking, Yeovil, Torquay, Scunthorpe, and Maidstone bringing up the rear. So that is what we have in the lower leagues of English football, we will jump north of the border to Scotland and take a quick ramble around. Uh, obviously, there was a cup final at the weekend, so Celtic were busy winning that, didn't play in the league. In the league, we had Aberdeen 1, Livingston 0. Uh, Bojan Miofsky with the only goal of the game. Ross County 4, Dundee United 0. Uh, 2 for Eamon Brophy. Jan Danda, former Liverpool and Swansea player. And Jordan White with the goals there for Ross County. 
St. Johnston won. St. Mirren won. Uh, Zach Rudden opened the scoring for St. Johnston. Alex Gogic equalized for St. Mirren in the 86th minute. Daniel Phillips sent off on 45 for St. Johnston. So they did well to go ahead and then still cling on for the point. Uh, Kilmarnock won. Motherwell won. Scott Robinson with the mother with the Kilmarnock opener and Callum Slattery with the equaliser for Motherwell in the last minute. The league table is as follows. Celtic, nine points clear of Rangers, who are 18 points clear of Hearts, who are five points clear of Hibs, who are level in points with St. Mirren, who are two points clear of Aberdeen, who are level in points with Livingston, who are four points clear of St. Johnston, who are four points clear of Motherwell, who are three points clear of Ross County, who are level in points with Kilmarnock, who are four points clear of Dundee United. We will head for Spain very quickly. And in La Liga, we had a couple of shocks this weekend. Uh, Elche 2, Real Betis 3. Good win there for Betis. Espanyol 2, Mallorca 1. Cadiz won Rayo Vallecano 0. Real Madrid won 10-man Atletico Madrid 1. Angel Correa sent off on 64. Jose Maria Jimenez scoring the opener for Atletico Madrid. And Alvaro Fernandez, the young star that Real Madrid... I'm sorry, Alvaro Rodriguez. Alvaro Rodriguez, the young star that Real Madrid are very, very high on, they think could well be their own in-house Haaland type, 6'4", big and strong, relatively quick, not Haaland level of explosion, but a really good finisher. Uh, He gets the equaliser on 85 minutes. So two Uruguayans scoring in that game. That's always nice. Uh, Valencia won Real Sociedad nil. Uh, Zubeldia with the own goal there, giving Valencia a much-needed win. First of the big shocks, that's a shock as well, that Valencia-Real-Sociedad game, because Valencia have been trashed this season and Sociedad are going quite well. Uh, Athletic Club 2, Girona 3, so there's a bit of a shocker. Uh, Celta Vigo 3, Valladolid 0. Gabri Viega with two goals there. Keep an eye on him. He's the one that's been linked to United and Arsenal. He looks a real player. Almeria 1, Barcelona 0. El Balil Toure with the only goal of the game. Massive upset. Barcelona looked like they were cruising to the title. This will really shake things up a bit, though. Real obviously dropped points as well, and maybe Barca were a bit too comfortable. Sevilla 2, Osasuna 3. Really good win for Osasuna away from home. And Villarreal 2, Hitafe 1. So, league table. Barcelona top, still seven points clear of Real but could have opened it to a nine-point gap, which would have given them some real security. Uh, Real are nine points clear of Real Sociedad, who are in third. Atletico Madrid make up the top four. Then it goes Real Betis, Rayo Vallecano, Villarreal, Osasuna, Athletic Club, Mallorca, Girona, Espanyol, Celta Vigo, Sevilla, Almeria, Cadiz, Valladolid, Valencia in 18th despite their win. Hetafe and Elche, who have won one game this season. Um, yeah, they're they're sitting on nine points from th- 23 games. They are going down, and it is basically anybody from Espanyol to Hetafe 
will join them. That is, what, eight teams? Yeah, eight teams could go down, along with Elche. Eight teams for two spots. Uh, we'll move to France and have a gander of what took place over the weekend. Lille 2, Brest 1. Uh, Thiago Jallo scored an own goal to give Brest the lead, but Lille were able to fight back. Alexandra with the winner in that one. Angiers 1, Lyon 3. Good win for Lyon, a win they needed. Uh, Montpellier 1, Lens 1. That feels like points dropped for Lens. Laurent nil, Auxerre 1. That is very much points dropped for uh, Laurent, who are really struggling to come to terms with the fact that their ownership sold two of their best players in the January transfer window. Uh, absolute morons. Their ownership obviously being the same ownership as Bournemouth, I want to say. Am I right with that? I could be wrong. I, I think I'm right with that. I think they bought... They might not own the club outright, but I do think they bought part of the club. Uh, let me just check on this. I'm almost certain I'm right with that. Bill Foley. Yeah. He acquired a significant minority stake in the club. And in January, they sold... Um, Tara Moffey, if I'm not mistaken. Tara Moffey, uh, loan with an obligation to buy. Uh, he'd scored 12 goals in the first half of the season. And they just thought, no, that's, that's enough of that. You get yourself out the door. And they sold Uatara to... Dango Uatara to, uh, to Bournemouth. Now, bear in mind... They were, they've been as high as second this season. And going into January, they were sixth. Now they're eighth. And they've lost four of their last seven games. What do you expect? You sold two of your best players. That's just one of the more bizarre things I've seen any club do in recent years. And I get that they were looking to move things around or whatever, but, you know, you were in the mix for Champions League qualification. Surely, whatever financial shortcomings you had were helped by the fact you got a significant minority investment and you could have just carried on and aimed to get top four. Uh, they'll lose Enzo Lafie this summer as well because someone's going to come in and snap him up. Dumbasses. Uh, Claremont foot one, Strasbourg one. Uh, Strasbourg currently been linked to the takeover by Todd Bowley, which would be awful. Uh, Jekyll two, Troyes one. Nance nil, Wren one. Uh, Jeremy Doku with the only goal of the game there, bouncing back after his missed penalty in the shootout in the uh, Europa League during the week. Uh, Reims three, Toulouse nil. Reims are on a great run. And Williams still their manager, Deserves massive, massive credit. He he's a name to keep an eye on. 
Well, Will still. He is a Belgian manager. He is, if you want to feel old, he is 30. He is the manager of Reims. Um, yeah, one one who's definitely worth keeping an eye on. There's there's a big future ahead of him. 18 games in charge of Reims since taking over in October. Nine wins, eight draws, one defeat. That's really, really impressive. Monaco nil, Nice three. Teramoffi scoring two goals. And uh, Kefren Turam, man of the match in that game, getting the third. It was over by half time. And finally, Marseille nil, Paris Saint-Germain three. Two for Mbappe, one for Messi. Too easy for PSG against the team in second place. So PSG are top eight points clear of Marseille. Monaco and Lens make up the Champions League spots. Then you get Ren, you get Lille, Nice, Laurent, Lyon. Lyon will be very, very disappointed with how things are going again this season. Uh, Reims, Toulouse, Clermont, Nantes, Montpellier, Strasbourg, Auxerre, Ajaccio, Brest, Troyes, and Angers are bottom and almost certainly relegated. They're 11 points from safety. Uh, we will move to Syria A. And take a gander of what took place. Uh, that round of games still going on. There's two games tonight. One is Cremonese against Roma. The other is Juventus against Torino in the Turin Derby. Uh, Empoli nil, Napoli two. Once again, it's the Asimian and Kivica show. Uh, Marco Ru- Rui sent off in that one for Napoli, but they win comfortably. Lecce nil, Sassuolo one. Torsved with the only goal of the game. Uh, Bologna won Inter nil. Orsolini with the only goal. Bad result for Inter. Jesus, that's just shocking. They have been so up and down this season, it's not even true. Salernitana 3, Monza nil. Um, Kondreva with one of the goals there. He's been around a long time. Udinese 2, Spezia 2. Beto linked with Arsenal scoring one of Udinese's goals, and Roberto Pereira, formerly of Watford, scoring the other, and Nizzoli with the two goals for Spezia. Milan 2, Atalanta 0, an own goal by Juan Musso. It was an unbelievable strike by Theo Hernandez. Hit the post, came back, hit him in the back and went in. Uh, Junior Messias with a late, late goal to wrap that one up. Good win for Milan, who've been needing some confidence-boosting wins. Verona 0, Fiorentina 3. Fiorentina seemed to have found a little bit of form. And Lazio 1, Sampdoria 0. Luis Alberto with the only goal in that one. The table is as follows. Napoli, 18 points clear of Inter. 18 points clear. This title race is over. There are 14 games left, and I can only see that advantage growing to be honest uh inter second level on points with milan lazio currently making up the top four but roma have that game tonight which they will be expected to win and that would put them in in second place actually no third place unless they win six nil they'll go into third place but six nil is not out of the question uh atalanta in sixth Bologna 7th, Juve 8th, but they have that game tonight. Uh, Torino, though, are ninth, so that's going to be a decent enough game. Now, remember, 
The reason Juve are eighth is because they had 15 points stripped off them. Otherwise, Juve will be second. Um, Udinese are 10th. They had a really good start and then they've fallen back. There are no wins in five for them. Monza, who had a dreadful start, have done very, very well. Bad results the last two games, losing both. But they've gone from a bottom three team to very comfortable in mid-table. Fiorentina are 12th, Empoli 13th, Sassuolo 14th, Lecce 15th, Salonatana 16th, Spezia 17th, Verona 18th, Sampdoria 19th, and bringing up the rear is Cremonese, who are yet to win this season. Nine points from nine draws, 14 defeats. Uh, They're going down, Sampdoria are going down, and I think it's between Verona and Spezia for that last spot. We will go to the Bundesliga, and what took place was Mainz 4, Borussia Mönchengladbach nil. Things are falling apart at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Hertha Berlin 2, Augsburg 0. Good win for Hertha. Hoffenheim 0, Borussia Dortmund 1. Julian Brand with the only goal of the game there. Another win for Dortmund, who are in tremendous form at the moment. Cologne 0, Wolfsburg 2. Yannick Gellhardt and Max Arnold with the goals for Wolfsburg. Werder Bremen 3, Bochum 0. Fulkrug, Schmidt and Dusk with the goals in that one. RB Leipzig 2, Eintracht Frankfurt 1, Timo Werner and Emil Forsberg put Leipzig 2-0 up. Gibraltar got one back for Eintracht, but um, Leipzig held on for the win. Schalke 2, Stuttgart 1. Great win for Schalke, who desperately need any kind of points. Uh, Drexler and Butler with the goals there. Borna Sosa with the only uh, goal for Stuttgart. I don't know how he's still at Stuttgart, to be honest. He's he's a very good player. Uh, Freiburg won, Leverkusen won. It's a good point for Leverkusen, all things considered. And then finally, Bayern 3, Union Berlin 0. Chupamoteng, Kingsley Coleman and Jamal Musiala with the goals. Bayern are top on goal difference from Dortmund, who are three points ahead of Union Berlin. Leipzig are fourth. Freiburg 5th, Eintracht 6th, Wolfsburg 7th, Mainz 8th, Werder 9th, Gladbach 10th, Leverkusen 11th, Cologne 12th, Augsburg, Hertha, Stuttgart, Hoffenheim, Bochum, and Schalke giving themselves a bit of a fighting chance. They're unbeaten in five. Now, it's only one win, but they're unbeaten in five. And they're starting to close the gap on those above them. They're being helped by Hoffenheim losing five in a row. Anytime a team above you loses five in a row, you're in with a chance. Stuttgart have lost four or five. Bochum have lost four or five. It's still all to play for at the bottom of the league there. Um, We will finish in Portugal before we go to break and we can wrap things up. Uh, Familicare won, Portamanens nil. Araco, Araco, Aroca 2, Casapia 0, Maritimo 3, Santa Clara 1, Vicela 0, Benfica 2, João Mario with both goals in that one, uh, Rio Ave 1, Chavez 0, Pacos Ferreira 1, Boavista 3, Porto 1, Gil Valance 2, 
Big, big upset. Porto had two players sent off. Maybe Taremi puts them one up. Fran Navarro equalises. Jean Mario gets sent off. D'Souza Costa scores a penalty on the stroke of half time. Put Gil Valente, Gil Vicente 2-1 up. Uribe gets sent off seven minutes into the second half, and that's basically all she, all she wrote. At that point, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. Sporting 2, Estoril 1. Hector Bellerin with his first goal for the club and Francisco Trinquiao with the second there. That's a solid enough win for Sporting. And Vittoria 2, Braga 1. Braga just in really bad form at the moment. Braga had two players sent off in that one. One in the 29th minute, which kind of put them on the back foot. And then one in the 94th minute when they were trying to get themselves back in. Um, funnily enough, Thiago Silva opens the scoring for Vittoria on 31 minutes, gets sent off on 54 minutes. Alvaro Giallo scores for Braga on 88 minutes, gets sent off on 94 minutes. So, you know. Uh, Benfica top eight points clear of Porto, who are two points clear of Braga. Sporting are now up to fourth. They will be hoping to catch Braga and get third. Vittoria are fifth. Aruca are sixth, Casapia seventh, Boa Vista eighth. That's, they're just disappointing. They're really disappointing. Uh, Rio Ave, Familicao, Vicela, Porto Menens, Chavez, Gil Vicente, Estorel, Maritimo, Santa Clara, and Pacos Ferreira make up that division. And that is all we have around Europe. So we'll take a break. And when we come back, we've got some news, we've got the gossip, and we've got those FIFA awards to have a quick chuckle at. So see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, uh, we had the FIFA Best Awards last night. These were for the year of our Lord 20 and 22. Uh, the ceremony was hosted by Samantha Johnson and Jermaine Genus, who seems to be the bland host for everything. Uh, Lionel Messi was voted the best FIFA player, best FIFA men's player, uh, with 52 points, eight points clear of Kylian Mbappe who was a further 10 points clear of Karim Benzema. They were the top three, Messi, Messi, Mbappe, and Benzema. Rounding out the top 14, all the vote-getters, Luka Modric, Erling Haaland, Sadio Mane, Julian Alvarez. That's really high. Seventh? Really? Ashraf Hakimi, Neymar, Kevin De Bruyne, Vinicius. That's far too low. Far, far too low. Vinicius, at, at worst, should be fifth. In truth, he should probably be top three. Uh, Robert Lewandowski, Jude Bellingham, and Mohamed Salah. Uh, Emiliano Martinez was voted the best goalkeeper ahead of Thibaut Courtois. Uh, Bono from Sevilla was, and, and Morocco, obviously, is, is why he's been voted so high, because of how Morocco did in the World Cup. Alisson in fourth, and Ederson in fifth. Allison should be top three. Allison should be in over Bono. Uh, the FIFA best men's coach, Lionel Scaloni, World Cup winner, is first. Pep Guardiola is third, surprisingly. And Carlo Ancelotti finished second, having won 
you know, just the Spanish League and Champions League. Um, Walid Regrui, whose name I've butchered, uh, the Morocco coach, he finished fourth. Now, for me, he should have been above Pep because he got to a World Cup semi-final with Morocco. I think he should have been in third. Uh, Didier Deschamps getting fifth is farcical, considering he is the main reason his team did not win the World Cup, because he is an awful manager. Just to give... uh, Reg Ragui... Reg Ragui, is that right? I'm butchering his name, and I apologize, but he should have finished higher because not only did he get to a World Cup semi-final, he won the African Champions League with Wydad last season. There's no question he should have been higher on this list. No question at all. Uh, On the women's side, Alexia Putellas, Putellas, of Barcelona and Spain won the women's player. She has also won, I believe, the last two Ballon d'Ors. Yes, the last two Ballon d'Ors. And the la- this is her second uh, FIFA Best Award in a row. Uh, right now, the outstanding player in women's football. Uh, Alex Morgan finished second. And Beth Mead gets third. Sam Kerr. Aitana Bonmati is fifth. Uh, Barcelona, the Barcelona player. Dabinha, the Brazilian who plays for North Carolina, was sixth. Alexandra Pop of Wolfsburg in Germany was seventh. Leah Williamson was eighth. Ada Hegerberg was ninth. Great to see her back playing. Uh, Wendy Renard finished in tenth. Lena Oberdorf in eleventh. Vivian Maidema of Arsenal in the Netherlands in 12th. Kira Walsh of now Barcelona and England in 13th. And Jesse Fleming in 14th. The best women's goalkeeper is Mary Earps of Manchester United and England. Christiane Endler of Lyon and Chile finished in 2nd. And Katrine Berger of Chelsea in Germany, third. Sandra Panos of Barcelona, Merle Fromms and Alicia Neher, Chicago. They are the top six. Uh, Sandra Weidman, who is the Dutch manager of England, she finished first in the Women's Coaching uh, Award. Uh, Sonia Bombastar, Bompaster. Bombaster, Bomb, uh, Bombastar, I don't know, uh, of Leon in in second. Uh, Pius Sundhey, who is sw- Swedish but coaches the Brazil national team, she finished third. Emma Hayes of Chelsea finishing fourth. Martina Voss Tecklenburg of Germany in fifth. And Bev Priestman of Canada in sixth. Um, the Puskas Award was won by Marcin. Alexi, this is the best goal, isn't it? Isn't the Puskas Award the best goal? Most aesthetically pleasing goal. Uh, I have not seen that goal, so I have no idea. 
Dimitri Payet with his absolute worldly for Marseille against PAOK finished second, and Richarlison uh, third for his goal, his first goal, I think it was against for Brazil against Serbia. Uh, also uh, nominated Mario Balotelli, uh, Francisco Gonzalez Mitelli, Amandine Henry, Theo Hernandez, Alou Kuhl, Kylian Mbappe for his goal and one of those the, the the volley in the World Cup final, uh, Salma Perello and uh, Alessia Russo. Uh, for her goal for England against Sweden. FIFA Fan Award, the Argentina fans winning it because of their support at the World Cup. Japan second, and Abdullah Al Salmi, who hiked 1,600 kilometers across the Arabian desert from Jeddah to Qatar to support his home nation at the World Cup. That's a hell of an effort. Uh, the FIFA Fair Play Award went to Luca Lokoschvili of Wolfsburger in Austria, who saved George Tegel's life, clearing his airway after the player had swallowed his tongue, stuck his fingers in the in the guy's mouth and pulled his tongue back up so he could breathe, got his hand chewed to pieces because obviously Tegel was panicking and trying to draw breath, chewed up his hand, but... Fair play. The, the video is, is stunning. The guy hits the floor. He sprints over and doesn't waste any time. Just immediately go, knows what's going on and immediately says, oh, unbelievable. Fair play. Absolutely incredible. Um, right. The FIFA Pro Men's World Eleven. Thibaut Courtois is the goalkeeper. I think that's fair enough. Despite the fact Emmy Martinez won best goalkeeper, I think Courtois was the best goalkeeper and deserved to be in this. Um, I can only assume that Gareth Crooks put this team together because it's a it's a back three of Hakimi, who's a wing-back, Canseo, who's a wing-back, neither of whom can defend. Well, Hakimi can defend a bit. And Van Dijk is the only centre-back. And I saw some people cribbing about Van Dijk. Van Dijk had a great World Cup and he was unbelievable last season for Liverpool. He absolutely deserves to be in. Uh, no, Thiago Silva does not deserve to be in this team because he's been average. Uh, Casemiro, Kevin De Bruyne and Luka Modric make up a midfield three. And then Messi and Mbappe are wingers with Benzema and Haaland as the front two. Uh, it's bizarre. It makes no sense. And I hate when teams are made up like that. Just kick out Haaland and put a centre back in for the love of God and make it a real team. But do not to not under any circumstances uh, put Thiago Silva in as the other centre-back because that would just be absurd. Absolutely absurd. Uh, there were some very good centre-back performances last year. Edder Militao, just stick him in. The women's 11, Endler in goal, uh, Lucy Bronze, Maria Leone, Wendy Renard and Leah Williamson as the defence. Lena Oberdorf, Alexia Putellis, and Kira Walsh as the midfield. Sam Kerr, Beth Mead, and Alex Morgan as the forwards. That's do you know what? That's that's fair enough. The men's team is a bit of a joke. It's just a mess, uh, and I think some of the voting 
on the men's player. I can't comment on the women's stuff because I don't watch women's football. I watch if if the World Cup or the Euros are on, I'll watch it. If there's a big game on in the women's Premier League, I'll watch it. If there's no game on and Liverpool's women's team are playing, I'll watch it. But other than that, I'm, no, I, I don't know enough. But I'm I'm just I'm not having Vinicius that low. I'm not having Alvarez that high. Sadio Mane that high is also a farce. I get that he won the Afcon with Senegal, but he wasn't good for Liverpool for a long stretch, and he hasn't been great for Bayern. Um, I'm just not having Neymar. Neither get out nonsense. Uh, right, that'll do on that. Um, there's a piece here on the BBC website. How Emmy Martinez became the world's best goalkeeper. Simple answer is he didn't. Um, Tottenham to build karting track under stadium as part of F1 partnership. Tottenham have announced a partnership with Formula One, which will see a karting track built under the stadium. The electric karting circuit, part of a 15-year strategic partnership between the Premier League club and F1, will be installed beneath the South Stand. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which cost $1 billion to build, hosts its first Premier League game in April 2019. Uh, boxing, NFL and rugby matches have also taken place stadium in, in uh, addition to concerts. Uh, this is fantastic, though. That stadium is awesome. That is the best stadium in Europe. And I will hear no argument on it. It is the best stadium in Europe. Visually, Functionally, it is the best stadium in Europe. Uh, Thiago Silva faces spell on sidelines with knee ligament injury. I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing. I think if they can put a partnership in place, be it Fafana and Badia Shile or one of them in Koulibaly, and give them five or six games together, I actually think they'll be better off. Lucas Fabianski has a fractured cheekbone and eye socket. Uh, He was forced off in the win over Forrest. And this will present an opportunity to Alphonse Areola. And I personally think this is a good thing. Not that he's injured. That's obviously not good. But I think it's a good thing that they're going to get Fabianski in, or Areola in rather, for a prolonged run. Because he is the better goalkeeper. Uh, we've just got the gossip then, and we'll be done for today. Uh, let's see. Chelsea are considering bringing Tammy Abraham back from Roma as a cheaper option than Napoli's 24-year-old Nigerian striker, Victor Osman. Look, they do need a goal scorer, but if I'm looking at it, and I've got Havertz, I've got Broya, and I've got Datro Fafana, I at least give them a chance. And see what Broya and Datra Fafana can do with prolonged spells in the team. Inter Milan chief Giuseppe Maratta says Belgian forward Romelu Lukaku will return to Chelsea at the end of his season-long loan. This loan has been an unmitigated disaster. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a player recover as slowly from what was apparently a fairly innocuous muscle injury as Lukaku has at Inter. Uh, this season. So far this season, he's played 701 minutes, 591 in the league. He scored two goals in the league, two in the Champions League in 39 minutes, to be fair to him, though one was against Victoria Plisson. So, I mean, that's a bit like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, he scored 
He scored against Lecce on, in the opening game and got an assist against Spezzi in the second game. Got hurt against Lazio in the third game. Uh, slight hamstring injury. Played once between the 26th of August and the 4th of January. Played 22 minutes against Sampdoria. Got injured again. Um, and he's missed another game through an injury. He scored against Udinese in the second game. So Lecce and Udinese were his goals and Victoria Plisson and Porto with his one assist coming in against Spezia. And they're paying him an absolute fortune because his wages are ridiculous. Arsenal would be interested in signing Raheem Sterling if he becomes available this summer, although he is not looking to leave Stamford Bridge. That's a nothing story then. Chelsea face a dilemma over Mason Mount and Ruben Loftus-Cheek as both enter the final year of their contract. Uh, there's no dilemma over Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He's not good enough to play for Chelsea, unfortunately. Injuries, lack of development, whatever. Move him on in the summer. Graham Potter fears his training sessions are being ruined because of the huge squad at Chelsea. Then split them up. Split the players up. You've got more than enough room. Split the players up. You take what you believe is your first 22 and send everybody else off to train with one of your assistants. You've got enough of them there. Potter faces two make-or-break games to save his job despite receiving backing from Chelsea's owners. Um, they've got a favourable enough run coming up, so they, they might be okay. Manchester United think they can convince Declan Rice to join them in the summer. Hopefully they do. Uh, bidders from Manchester United expect to hear back about the next steps in buying the club. Well, the next step will be put in a new offer because those ones weren't good enough. Simple as that. Uh, I do note United's share price dropped by 10% because people are now wise to the fact that the Glazers don't really want to sell. Also, the Financial Times reporting that they believe United is worth $1.3 billion, not not $5 billion. Now, I think $1.3 is very, very low. But they are taking into account the debt, the transfer debt, and the need for huge infrastructure uh, in improvement and investment. So can kind of see the logic there. Tottenham, oh, sorry, Manchester United remain interested in Harry Kane. Harry Kane's not leaving Spurs in the summer. I don't think he is anyway. And if he does, he should go to Bayern. Uh, Mohamed Salah's agent has quickly dismissed speculation the Egyptian forward could leave Liverpool if they not qualify for the Champions League. Leicester scouts are monitoring Lecce's Danish midfielder Morten Kilmund after Southampton had an 11 million euro bid turned down in January. Don't remember anything about that bid. Um, so who knows? Manchester City are uh, sorry, Manchester City have offered to extend Julian Alvarez's contract by a year to 2028 on improved terms. Barcelona are one of the clubs assessing whether Alvarez would be open to leaving Manchester City on loan this summer. I don't think he will. I think he'll end up staying there. Uh, Liverpool are closely closely monitoring N'Golo Kante. No, they're not. They're just not. Who's written? Is this Wayne Wieson? Is this this absolute spoofer? No, Peter Rourke. Another chancer. An absolute spoofer. Paris Saint-Germain are trying to convince Kylian Mbappe to take up the option of extending his contract by another year to 2025. Borussia Dortmund are hopeful of securing a deal for Daichi Kamada. 
of Eintracht Frankfurt. He's had a contract this summer. He'd be a good signing for Dortmund. Barcelona and former Spain midfielder Sergio Busquets will decide in the next few weeks whether he will stay for the season. I kind of feel like Barca should be looking to move him on and just, you know, get the wage bill down, get the older players gone and kind of hit the reset. I know they're going to win the league, or they look like they're going to win the league this year. Busquets has played a big role in that, but still, it's it's time for the next era. Barcelona director of football, Matteo Alemany, has rejected an offer to take up a similar role at Aston Villa. No, he hasn't. That is absolute tripe. Aston Villa have Johan Lange. I don't know if he's any good, but they have him. This is garbage. Uh, That'll do me for today, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening. And I will see you tomorrow. This has gone longer than I thought, but I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.